My name is Brooke Smith, and I am a senior at CVU. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a co-leader of Bring Change to Mind and a Social Justice Alliance member as well. Hi, my name is Julia Herberg. I'm a senior at CVU. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a member of Bring Change to Mind, an officer of Student Act, and a member of Student Justice Alliance as well. For many years, talking about mental illness was taboo, but now it is a common topic of discussion. Openly discussing mental illness is a positive improvement, yet unfortunately, on the news, TV, and social media, it has become sensationalized and misrepresented. The National Alliance on Mental Health states, characters with mental illness are often portrayed as violent and dangerous. They are sometimes played off as punchlines, and mental health professionals, such as psychiatrists, commonly take on villainous roles. Today, we will discuss sensationalism of mental illness, how we can combat it in our society, and hear different perspectives on this issue. Today, we will be interviewing Steph Volkmar to hear her views of sensationalizing mental illness and how we can work to prevent it in the future. Steph is the school-based therapist through the Howard Center. She also has a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. So here we have both Steph and Julia, and I kind of want to hear a teen perspective of this issue, because I think a lot of it has to do with our generation, but also you know, an expert point of view. So Steph, thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, so first, I want to hear in your own experiences, what have you observed around sensationalizing and mess representing mental illness, and what do you think the impact of that is on teenagers? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there is a lot of, um, when I first think about how mental illness is represented in media, I think of portrayals of, you know, somebody with a mental illness who is murdering people or um, people who see therapists and there's like joking around the fact that they're seeing a mental health professional. So I think it's interesting to see how it either is something that is viewed as like funny or something that's dangerous. Um, and there's not a whole lot of like good representation of what therapy can be. And I think that puts people in a position where they feel like they can't really talk about it or when they do talk about it, it's something that they're afraid of or something that they think is funny. Um, so I know in my own personal experience, I didn't really understand what therapy was. I didn't really understand mental health until I studied it because I felt like all the conversations around it um, and all of my exposure to it up until that point was based on, you know, based on media representations that weren't very accurate or based on stigma in our society um, that really tends to be rooted in just a lack of understanding and information. What do you think the impact of that is, especially on teenagers? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think mental health issues can be really challenging and can feel really alienating anyway. Mm -hmm. So then having these representations that aren't very accurate and lead people to either joke about it or to think it's scary, I think deters people even further from having conversations and being real and sometimes even seeking the help that they need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so Julia, just, you know, as a teenager, I really want to hear your experience 
you know, in this day and age, it's really, it's wonderful that we've been able to open up conversation about mental illness, but, you know, I'm going to ask you the same question. What have you observed around sensationalizing and misrepresenting mental illness, and what do you think the impact of that is on our age group um, and maybe your own experience as well? Sure. So like Steph, I saw a lot of like either scary or comedic um, representation of mental illnesses and therapy in media. And for me, it really impacted me because it made me think it was like really commonplace and normal to have all of these thoughts and emotions. So it took me a really, really long time to search and reach out for help. And like, since then I've been going to therapy and I want to be a therapist because I know how much good it can do. But until we get a full scale of representation, it's gonna be continued to be thought of as abnormal, which is just like unhealthy. Anyone and everyone should see a therapist because it's really just a safe space to have your mental thoughts mm -hmm. like processed. And um, I think that really sensationalizes the ideas of depression and um, mental health, anxiety, all of that stuff because we're kind of making it commonplace because something teenagers and adults do a lot to cope with these really intense feelings is joking about it. I have heard so many suicide jokes over my years as mm -hmm. a teenager. And like as someone who's processed those thoughts and emotions, I thought it was so commonplace before I reached out and got help. So it really, um, it was a really big, um, wall when I was struggling with it to like figure out how to say this isn't a joke I need help yeah mm -hmm. yeah I've definitely heard comments like that and I think people when they make those comments they aren't at all thinking about the people around them and how you know the person sitting right next to them that really might affect them mm -hmm, um, and kind sure. of the weight that their comments have for, yeah um so that kind of brings me to my next question. I think we've talked somewhat about sensationalizing and misrepresentation um, in TV and news, and I kind of have some examples I can talk about later. But in my own experience, um, I've definitely heard mental illness terms kind of used in somewhat of a casual way, like suicide jokes um, that Julia talked about. And while you know, someone, I've heard people say, you know, I'm depressed about, you know, this or whatever, and they might definitely be depressed, um, but they might also just be sad, and I think that casually throwing those terms around can be harmful to others. It might suggest that how they feel is not a big deal or not important enough to get help um, or that every single person feels this way. I think that's kind of something in our generation especially. For sure. So, to Steph, I want to ask you, um, what would you say to those people that are kind of casually throwing around serious terms in their vocabulary, and how do we balance you know, having open mental health conversation, but also being thoughtful of the words we are using and what they mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I just think this is, I mean, this is not a new problem, right? People mm -hmm. saying things like, Mm -hmm. bipolar like oh so and so is so bipolar or yeah. even referring I heard someone say that about their dog recently right like and we use these terms in ways that aren't clinically significant mm -hmm, right sure. um, 
talking about feeling depressed or anxious. And those are real feelings, right? Those Mm -hmm. are real experiences for people. And there is a pretty big difference between feeling sad or feeling anxious and having clinical depression or having clinical anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I think to me... First, the first step is just recognizing that you're using those words, right? Mm -hmm. And that you're using them kind of out of context and that that is potentially harmful to people um, because it does invalidate the experience of folks who are struggling with clinical levels of those things. Mm -hmm. So to me, there is an important distinction in terms of making sure that when you're talking about like an immediate experience that you're having, that you're naming, I'm feeling really, really down or really sad, and I think that's appropriate. Or saying that you're feeling anxious really can be appropriate. Mm -hmm. But throwing around like I'm depressed um, or I'm having a panic attack, (laughs) right? Like where people Mm -hmm. will say that and that's not the actual experience that they're Mm -hmm. having. Um, And maybe it's because they don't know. Mm -hmm. So just making sure and like developing a little more awareness around how we're talking about ourselves and our experiences and also just what those experiences really can be for people. Mm -hmm. Like having clinical depression is debilitating. Yeah. Having clinical anxiety is debilitating. Mm -hmm. And we probably interact with folks who are dealing with that on a daily basis so just making sure that we are being mindful of even how we're, how we're interacting with everyone around us and the mm-hmm. language that we're using. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say on that is terms like uh, bipolar or schizophrenic or... Um, OCD. Or OCD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good mm-hmm. example. Um, those, are, those are terms that, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to put more stigma around those things, but they are really stigmatized and really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So I just urge people, like, if you're going to be talking about those things, know what you're talking about. And remember that people with those experiences are still people and are trying to figure it out and are doing the best that they can and Mm -hmm. often are really functional in society. And so... I think that's a big piece of it for me, too, is just how can we be better about being more inclusive in our language? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's across the board, but particularly when we are talking about mental health and having conversations um, where we're just aware and we catch ourselves using those terms and and change them Mm -hmm. to make them more accurately reflect what we're actually trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, I think that was a great response. Just to, you know, the example in the beginning, what what is the difference between being depressed, clinical depression, and sadness? And maybe you can also talk about that with anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I think about the difference between clinically significant levels of, like, depression versus sadness, I think about um, clinical depression can look like being unable to function like for something to be at a clinical level it's impacting your ability to access your daily life Mm -hmm. so clinical depression might look like not being able to get out of bed or you can get out of bed but 
nothing is like you don't have any enjoyment in anything that you have previously. Mm -hmm. um, like it's this really marked difference from um, from being sad in that it's keeping you from like living your life mm -hmm. in a way that is uh, functional, right? Yeah. And I would say the same is true for anxiety. Like, you know, before <laughs> I'm like thinking even now, like my heart is beating a little bit faster and I'm like noticing I'm a little fidgety and that's anxiety, right? Yeah, like right. having this conversation, people feel that way sometimes before tests, uh, before public speaking, sometimes before a big game. Like we, we all have experienced that to some degree. Clinical levels of anxiety, like, are debilitating in that they keep you from, you can't just like move through it. Mm -hmm. You can't take a deep breath and do it anyway. It's <laughs> like you are literally unable to do it yeah. um, without significant support. Can I mm -hmm. speak on that a yeah, little bit? Please. Yeah, please. So as a person with um, generalized anxiety disorder, so like clinical depression, I just started anti, I mean, clinical anxiety. I just started antidepressants to help cope with it, but I seem super functional on the outside. At home, I break down. Like, mm. there's nothing fun about having a mental illness of any sort, and the way that media romanticizes it as, oh, she's such a tortured soul. It's really hard. So for like the media and teens to be representing this in a comedic way, I understand that sometimes it's just people coping, but it made getting help so difficult. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Julia. No yeah, I kind of, um, a few different things I wanna say. First, just like when I think of um, kind of specific examples in the media that, I've, that have stood out to me, um, and also just reading different articles, I think, 13 Reasons Why was definitely, um, sure. I don't know if you've heard of that show, but, uh, you know, they, in some ways, the main character, you know, plotted out suicide very methodically, um, and that, you know, doesn't happen. Um, and then, you know, seeing all these teenagers watching this, uh, the suicide rates just spiked after that show. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Another example is, you know, with Kate Spade when she committed suicide. Um, there, they kind of the media and the news showed uh, images and you know mm -hmm. details and all this, and not really the mental illness behind it, um, and just again romanticized that idea. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's definitely a problem. So thank you for kind of sharing your personal experience. I want to a few things that you talked about first with anxiety, um, you know, you're talking about the difference between clinical and, you know, how you just, can't, you know, can't get through your day at times uh, versus just having a little bit, you know, maybe in a game or before a test. Is that good? You know, that, that little bit of anxiety, can anxiety be good for you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember one of my coaches telling me that um, anxiety was an indication that I cared right? Mm -hmm. Like anxiety is kind of this anticipation of, um, typically of like, you know that you have to perform. And so you're feeling a little anxious about what could happen because there's unknown, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That's not abnormal. And sometimes that can give us energy in a useful way. 
and clinical anxiety is like you get stuck in that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's that's really what I was hearing in what you were saying, Julia, was yeah. just this idea of being really stuck in that place. Yeah. And if you're, I just want to throw out like, if anybody's feeling that way, like that's awful. It's terrible. And you shouldn't have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with you and it is absolutely okay. And like, I urge you to take a step and try to seek additional support. Yeah. Whether that's in school or talking to some other trusted adult outside of school, just because it's like, that is not, um, it's not an abnormal experience. Like there are lots of other people who experience those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not like, I don't know. Like you, you just, you shouldn't have to just trudge through that or yeah. try to trudge through that because right. it's not, it's not like something that everybody is experiencing. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not <laughs> That's fine. what I thought it was. Right. I was like, oh, for sure. Everyone feels nervous about everything and it totally spirals for everyone else. Right. Yeah. And Obviously. Do you think- and that like feeling of oh everyone feels that way where do you think that comes from um i definitely think it came from like the media and also like uh school doesn't talk about mental health to the extent of like how to get help and mm-hmm. i really really think it's really important cuz the only reason i figured out was because my teacher thought i was dyslexic it got yeah. to the point where i couldn't read during tests because my entire body would shut down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, definitely the media and also just people's comments um, yeah. in our generation, for, for sure. sure. Um, and also you talked about depression. And, you know, I kind of want to ask what is, you know, some people can't get out of bed and clinical, can't go through their day. What is happening in the brain that is making that happen, you know, with, Uh, chemicals, what's happening in the brain? Yeah, I mean, often having a clinically significant um, mental health struggle is related to brain chemistry, for Mm -hmm. sure. So uh, it depends on the person, but a lot of the time it's that there are certain uh, parts of your brain that, for whatever reason, have stopped producing sufficient levels of a hormone or aren't getting activated in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so it's keeping your brain from um, going through the processes that would ultimately change your mood. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sometimes that's that there's so much um, of a certain stress hormone Mm -hmm. that just continues to cycle through and it's not being uh, metabolized, like your body isn't getting rid of it in the same way, and so it's just sitting there. And that ultimately impacts even like the structures of your brain, Mm -hmm. um, at least temporarily. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that I wanna put out there just because we are all like in a very stressful, kind of global situation right now, both Mm -hmm. with the pandemic and with things going on in our country, let alone things just going on in our community and trying to be at school with masks on. Like we are all encountering stress every single day. And so if we're not being really proactive 
it makes a lot of sense that people are struggling a lot. And even people who are doing lots of things to take care of themselves might find them still, themselves still struggling because we're encountering so much newness and so much unknown right mm-hmm. now. And that does impact our brains. Yeah, I think. Um, and really, that's where treatment, you know, with medication, and that can really, that's where we get um, the right balance of the different right. chemicals. Um, yeah, there's something else. Um, well, as you think about that, I'll just throw in there too, like uh, medication treatment. I know for me personally, there was an era where I was on an antidepressant for um, a short period of time and it just helped me to shift gears. Mm-hmm. Like, and it wasn't something that was really prolonged. I did it in conjunction with therapy and it just helped mm-hmm. me to get to a different space so that I could keep mm-hmm. moving forward and could continue therapy. So that can be true for people too. It doesn't have to be a long-term solution. Yeah, I think um, the other thing I was going to say is just, you know, a lot of the stigma is why, you know, someone breaks their arm and you just go to the doctor and why is our brain any different? It's totally a part of our body, but Mm -hmm. it's not visible when things are happening up in your brain. Um, Absolutely. Okay, so I kind of want to finalize. I have... One more question for both of you, but I'm going to start with Julia. Um, So kind of bringing it all together, what would you suggest to combat the sensationalism of mental health? I know that's a pretty broad question. (laughs) Um, I think the main uh, part to ending sensationalization is education and showing, sure, there might be some romantic parts to it, but if you show the entire truth of any mental health disorder um, and ED, OCD, ADHD, anything. It seems like a cool new thing on the surface, but as soon as you understand what's really going on for the person and behind all of that, it can really change your perspective and it will really make you want to learn more because brains are so complicated so when you're able to educate yourself on um, mental health it goes from sensationalizing it to understanding it to being able to help not only yourself but also your community Um, Steph I want to ask you the same question yeah I really appreciate that answer Julia I think education is a huge piece of it I think the other thing that's coming up for me is just humanizing it Mm -hmm. right so having real conversations with people about what it looks like to have mental health struggles Mm -hmm. and I know that can feel really scary and I'm sure at times like that might not feel safe and that's absolutely appropriate and like please take care of yourself and make that judgment call. But I think when we can be real with the people in our lives, like we can shift how they view things because we're putting like a face and a name to a struggle that they might not have the experience with Mm -hmm. otherwise. Um, so I think that's, I mean, I know that that has really helped me and helped me to, um, even get to a point where I was pursuing a career in mental health. 
was just experiences for me personally and experiences within my family and within my friends um, where I just started to recognize that this is just part of being human for some people. And the best thing that we can do is just listen and try to support each other mm -hmm. um, because <laughs> life can be complicated and hard and we're all in it together in so many ways. So. Yeah, that was an incredible answer. Um, I just want to thank you, Steph and Julia, and thank you, listeners. Um, the Social Justice Alliance meets on Fridays at the moment, 4.15 to 5.45. And if you're interested in joining, you can email Chris Smith at uh, crsmith at cvsdvt.org. Um, or you can check our website to join at sjacvu.squarespace.com. So stay tuned for the next episode, and goodbye for now. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.